We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I briefly go over Embiid and Simmons missing games to start the second half of the season as they spend time in the NBA's health and safety protocol. Embiid will miss tonight's game against the Chicago Bulls, and Simmons will miss the games against the Bulls, and also then Friday night's game against the Wizards. We then transition into a second half preview where we talk about the upcoming trade deadline, talk a little bit more about Kyle Lowry and what kind of impact he would have if they are able to acquire him. And then we talk about what we are most intrigued by in the second half of the season. If you're not already an athletic subscriber, head on over to theathletic.com slash Sixers Beat. We can get 50% off of a yearly subscription for our written content. And if you can, please do leave us a rating or review, especially on Apple Podcasts. We really do appreciate that. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bonner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. You know, we have the second half of the Sixers season about to start, starts on Thursday. Rich, do you know anywhere if they wanted real good coverage of their Philadelphia 76ers where they could maybe get a discount on the athletic? I think it's athletic.com slash Sixers Beat. There you go. 50% off. True professional, spared no expense. Yeah, 50% off of a yearly subscription. You can read what Rich and I wrote. Recently just wrote a recap of the first half of the season, and then Rich is working on a preview of the second half. This podcast here will touch on some of those same topics, specifically the second half of the season, which, like I said, is about to kick off. They are a half game up on the Brooklyn Nets. They are two games up on the Milwaukee Bucks, and those are their main contenders for the top spot in the Eastern Conference. But how you doing, Rich? I'm okay, man. I'm, uh, you know, I'm watching some playoff basketball right now. Some G League playoff basketball. March Madness. The, uh, that was well-timed. I, I watched all of the, uh, the Blue Coats games the last couple nights and enjoyed it thoroughly. I think it's a little ridiculous that it's a one-and-done tournament in, in yeah. pro basketball, but hey, that's, what they have to do to get this uh, this bubble done, and they uh, they keep winning, so that's cool. I mean, we could just do this entire podcast on Paul Reed if you want. Uh, that could certainly be done. I would want to watch a little bit more of him. You, of course, have been as you were working on a piece, but he has been spectacular. Isaiah Joe is now down there for that stretch run, and we will see what happens. So the funny thing about those two guys, 
And I, by the way, when I say, uh, I, I had a tweet last night that got a little more engagement than than most when I said, well, Paul Reed, he, uh, you know, he could switch a little bit at center and he seems to make threes from the top of the key, whether that's in a uh, trail spot, pick and pop, whatever. He seems pretty comfortable shooting that. It's probably the most fluid move he makes on a basketball court. He, he can shoot that. I said, I know a team that could use that on backup units. And I, I do want to say, I don't think he's going to be the backup no. center this year right. or for the playoffs. Maybe maybe he can get a little time with how uh, how crazy the schedule is going to be. Sure. Or maybe they give him a shot, you know, when they're down Joe or down Dwight or, or whatever. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of funky lineups we see in the second half of this season. But as a future piece, he's pretty exciting. And what what is funny is that he with his you know with his specific skill set he fills one hole for the Sixers the stretch five idea with Ben Simmons and Isaiah Joe fills the other one as somebody who just fires threes yeah that's all i don't think they're uh they're going to make a contribution to this year's team but they're uh, they're playing pretty good so good for them yeah it wouldn't surprise me at all if um Reed came up. I mean, the season's about to end down there, so of course they're going to. Uh, and get a chance at some minutes here and there. But if you're expecting him to fill that Al Horford on a cheap contract role in a you know in a couple months I in am. the playoffs, like pump the brakes a little bit. On a related note, there is reporting that Al Horford is available if you wanted a a, a reunion there. He's going to Boston, man. <laughs> it does Trade seem like... Trade exception. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Let's move on to... These Sixers. I guess we've got to start this off with uh, the update on Embiid and Simmons. Both of them will miss Thursday's game uh, because of the league's health and safety protocols. Most importantly, they continue to test negative after being around uh, their own personal barber who had contracted the virus. So they are they continue to test negative. That is far and away the most important aspect to this. Uh, but they will both miss what is it is uh, Chicago on Thursday, Chicago on Thursday. And then uh, it is Simmons who is expect who who will miss Friday's game as well. And I had some people be like, well, why are they keeping out a different them a different link? This is a, a conspiracy by the NBA. No, they didn't go to the barber on the same day. <laughs> like there's a pretty easy same barber, different days. Uh, so that is, I believe, why that is the case. But if you're talking about. Both missing the Chicago game. There, the by the way, there there were some comments about, oh, it's nice that their friendship that they go to the same barber, <laughs> like they were holding hands while right, they were getting right. their haircuts at the same time. <laughs> some 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 teams have Napa Valley. The Sixers have a barber. Um, <laughs> so that game against the Bulls. What are the Bulls like? Sixteen and twenty, something in that range, right not around good. A, a game or two under five hundred. Not good, but not not as bad as they were in previous years. And you're going to have both the Simmons and beat out. That's going to be a tough one. And then the Wizards, who are right around 500 as well. But um, playing better. But playing better. Uh, and you will be without Simmons, which might not matter because Doc doesn't put him on Bradley Beal anyway, but that will be a much tougher <laughs> game now too. So not the perfect start to the second half, or at least doesn't look like it could be the perfect start to the second half uh, with two games that you thought were Ws, which could be a little bit tougher. And of course, six don't have that much of a uh, of a cushion in the Eastern Conference, so it will be interesting. I am glad Embiid is only missing one game. I don't. If he misses too many, I don't go too far on this. I'm worried that he will start pushing things a little too much. So, yeah, good on that. But the one thing that that worries me a little bit about him for the Washington game, 
And hey, you know what? You might as well just play to say, hey, I played in the game. It's like punching your uh, punching your clock, even if you're not as effective as you you normally are. But, you know, he's going to be faced with not doing anything for a week. I mean, maybe he can ride a Peloton in his apartment or something like that. But, I mean, this is like when, when I said this on Twitter yesterday, this is a week in your apartment. Like, you're not allowed to leave. You have to quarantine. This is not a week of nursing ankle soreness where right, you where can go to yep. the facility and get treatment and test it out and all those things. So, you know, we saw Shake, Tobias, and Matisse do it where they came back the first night they were eligible, where they take that PCR test in the morning, it comes back uh, comes back negative, and then they can play that night. But And, and, and I imagine Joe will play, but I will say, like, I, I'm not expecting a very sharp MB in the, in that first yeah. game. And that's, look, that's a tough break for the Sixers, but I, I cannot emphasize enough what you said. As long as they continue to test negative, hey, you, you take a tough break. That's what the season is, and you uh, you keep rolling. There is a part of me that wonders, you know, because this is so weird that Embiid, without the crowd and with a condensed schedule, is having the most consistent year of his career. And there's a part of me, look, look, Joe, in previous years wasn't the most consistent participant in full practices. Uh, part of that came from, you know, trying to manage his workload and his injuries and, and just don't want him running too much five on five full court. So I, I do wonder if a little bit like playing, you know, game day off game, if, if sort of that rhythm has helped him, you know, keep him in a, a, in a flow that he wasn't in in previous years. So yeah, the week plus off is going to be interesting to see how he reacts to that. He hasn't really had that th- throughout the course of this year. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting for sure. And I mean, he, he complained in the past about, Hey, stop giving me those games off at the end of road trips or whatever. So I'd have like five straight days off. I don't, that doesn't help me. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how, how he reacts for sure. But with the way he's been a machine all year, he'll probably just come out and dominate because that's what he does. Does it while grabbing his back. If he has to, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, I feel like Dave Martin or Lorena Torres or anybody who has been charged with keeping him fresh and keeping him healthy. They they could write like an maybe not a book, but an interesting article on the the rhythms of Joel Embiid's body and and making it through an NBA season because I don't think it's as the same for him as a lot of other guys. It's no, uh, I agree. It's 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 a different animal, and he's um you know I, I I'm gonna write about this probably coming up soon too. I I don't think we can forget that despite the fact that he has taken games off. He has made it through the first half of the season playing great basketball. He's dealing with a lot of bumps and bruises in yeah. a way that I don't think we should overlook. Not not to say it should take up a hundred percent of our awareness with this. Like I don't, you know, don't be the Twitter guy who's always like, ah, I wish he wouldn't play, you know, that type of thing. At some point you just have to enjoy him dominating and if it's gonna look a little funny with his uh his running, like I think that's just the way it's gonna work. But you shouldn't overlook that he's not – he's dealing with a bunch of different things, and uh, he's making it through it. So. Yeah. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABasketball, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus – 
up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager yes he is uh, and it's so tough for us to gauge what is a bump and bruise and what is an actual injury with him um yeah. In part because all of his bumps and bruises seem to be on problem areas that not only big men, but that he's had problems with in the past. So they're always concerning, but at some point you just got to live with it. Um, Yeah, for sure. All right. So moving on, you know, obviously we have besides that early start to the schedule. And once they get these, I think they got what two on the road, then four at home and then a whole bunch on the road. Uh, Seven, I think. Yeah. yeah, uh, Longest of the, including another West Coast trip, the second West Coast trip, which will be, will be a tough one. Uh, They've got a tough start to the regular season. What are we, so, and and that will take us pretty much right up to the uh, trade deadline. And I guess that is kind of where we go next. I don't expect at all for this team to look in on April 1st, or their first game after the 27th, whenever that is, the way it does now. And I don't know entirely what that means. I don't know if that means a major acquisition like Kyle Lowry. I don't know if that means smaller acquisitions uh, like PJ Tucker, like George Hill, like Bielitsa, like all these names that we've been talking about for a while now. And we just keep recycling over and over and over because people want to know who targets are. And nobody really knows because if we did, then Daryl Morey wouldn't be doing his job. But it will be interesting. I don't know entirely what that is going to be. I don't know what that is going to mean. But I do know that I think Daryl is going to do something. And I'm, I go back and forth because I'm always like, well, do you want to spend assets? Because Sixers don't, they have more than a lot of contenders, but they don't have that many anymore. Do you want to spend assets to increase your chances by 2% of winning a title this year on someone like Bielitsa? Or do you want to save them and build on them and, you know, keep flipping them for better assets so you can be a, a big player the next time a Bradley Beal comes up or the next time even a Kyle Lowry comes up? I go back and forth. Uh, and I do, there is, you know, I think me personally would mostly say, do whatever you can to position yourself for the next big move. But Embiid's season is so unique and so dominant and so unknown when you will get this again, that it does change my thinking quite a bit, quite a bit. How, ma- how many percent does Lowry increase the championship odds? 7% to 13 I'm sure Daryl has a. I'm just making something up. Num- but that's number, sort of like, like an actual is. number of what yeah. it would be. I, I think they should be pretty aggressive trying to get Lowry. I actually. Oh uh, no, Lowry is sort of like my exception, for sure. 
For sure. So would you do this? Because I, I was working with Blake Murphy, awesome Raptors writer, on a uh, on a piece, and we were just going over what the the hypotheticals were. We weren't actually. Wow, you spilled your drink on. I, m- I might have to release that portion of this video as a clip just to show how freaking stupid I am. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's Luckily, right, it's a black shirt. It works. You're fine. wearing a black shirt. Like I can't. I, I wouldn't have even been able to see <laughs> if, if you didn't stop everything you did and say, "What like, the hell?" I was, I, <laughs> I was like making fun of myself internally. But go ahead. I'm sorry. But but we were going over the potential compensation, and to me, I, I look at Lowry just because I don't think Levine and Beal are gettable. Like if if they are, if you're able to swing a trade for one of those two, then then fine. But I kind of think those teams are going to hold on to them, and yeah, I agree. Which is funny because it's the next two opponents they're playing, but they're you know they're they're playing hard for the the play in tournament. You know yeah. they really want to uh, to have the the ticket money for that, which you can't have any fans. I don't know what they're. I don't. By the way, this is and I'm getting off topic here, but I, I don't care. I don't know why the whole league isn't tanking right now. Have you seen Jalen Suggs and Cade Cunningham play? I have not spent too much time catching up on college basketball this year, no. Vecini had a tweet last night. He thinks this top five is one of the best of the past decade. And that's the perfect scenario. Think about when we were covering those bad process teams and it was, okay, like, get the worst record and try and land in the top two or the top three, you know, whether it was that type of draft. Or maybe the first pick was the only one that was good. This looks like the top five are all going to be pretty legitimate dudes. Right. And you don't even have that compensation push and pull there's like no you were talking ticket, to. There's yeah. no ticket money. What what are people doing? This is insane. <laughs> Everybody says Houston's going to have a fire shelf. They should have had one three weeks ago. They yeah. should be swimming to the bottom. It's, yeah, I, I don't exactly uh, get it. Okay, sorry. I'm, I got a little <laughs> bit off track there. But would you do, so for Lowry, I, I said to Blake, three of Thibel, Maxi. And lottery protected first round picks. I would like to. It's tough because Lowry but, is like the one person who looks like he's available, who really could shift those odds in a significant way. Would you do Thibel so, and two first round picks? Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. Because I have confidence enough in Daryl to reacquire future first round picks and be creative in that. And also I have enough confidence that Daryl's using those picks for trade chips anyway down the line. Um Yeah, it probably. I'd be a little uncomfortable though. I'd be a little uncomfortable. So my question is, are we just overvaluing what Lowry would fetch in a trade? Could you call the the Raptors bluff and, and say, well, you're not going to pay him a lot of money next year anyway. So maybe that'll happen. I, I, I just wonder... I go back to, though, is like, what, what are the Clippers? Well, do they have any draft picks? What draft picks do they have? They don't have draft picks. Yeah. Um, Denver is one I've heard, potentially, for him. They have pretty good they, guard play, though. Mm. Yeah, Gary Harris can't shoot. He hasn't been able to shoot for like three years. You no, know, he... That's fair. And uh, Jamal Murray is, it It depends on which day you get him on. He could be the greatest player in the bubble or he could really struggle. Um, well, and the thing with Lowry too is for those teams that have, you know, I'm looking at Denver, but I think this applies to the Sixers too. 
that have the two offensive tentpole pieces, the the young guys who know how to play with each other relatively. I think this is probably more true of Denver. Ben and Joe know how to play with each other, but they don't they don't run the dance like Jokic and Murray can when they're uh, when they got it going. The nice thing about Lowry is he is an additive piece. He right. is malleable. He can fit yep. into multiple off ball roles. But I think that's true of anywhere. And that's uh, that's but that's especially important with Denver because they they they're still going to run so much of their offense through Jokic that you need a, a point guard who can who can fit in different schemes and roles. Yeah. That's a good point. But even for the Sixers who don't have as pretty of an offense as Denver, Lowry would be an amazing fit. Yep. You know, he could run pick and roll with Simmons. He can play off the ball with Embiid. He's a very good, Blake pointed this out to me, and, and I kind of forgot about it. He's a very willing off-ball mover and screener type guy where if you want him to run off screens and, you know, and create havoc for the defense in that way, he'll do it. So uh, I guess maybe um, I could be overvaluing his market, but I think you're going to have to pay Together. I think so too. I like I, when we were talking before. I think we we're talking like one of Maxi or Thibel and one pick. Um, I would be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would def. I would definitely do that. And, and to be I honest, like before, I was worried about give, like I really wanted that to be Thibel and not Maxi. I'm less worried about losing Maxi right now. I'm pretty concerned. Like I, I'm intrigued by his upside, but I'm concerned about his probability of reaching that upside. Maybe give him Isaiah Joe too to make him feel better. I don't know, but whatever. <laughs> The, uh, not report. and again, I don't not giving up on Maxi's upside. It's just the probability. I'm not quite as confident, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I think a lot of people would uh, would be skeptical of, of putting in Maxi. There is absolutely a scenario in which he could make the Sixers look bad in a few years by yep. parting with him because sure. the talent <laughs> is there, and also too getting him to Toronto. I was thinking in my head, I was like, that might actually increase the odds because yeah. they're very they're very, very good, good at developing they know what they're young doing players guards are are those ones where they can look like completely lost at times give them a few years to figure shit out and they can look yep. a lot better and maxi's got the physical talent look i would be uncomfortable giving up maxi in a first um doesn't mean i wouldn't do it uh but <laughs> I, I would have i think you're at minimum gonna have to do that yo yeah uh and there would be some discomfort there which is probably why it makes a little bit of sense from both teams but I, I would do that where I get concerned is too many assets because then it's like, well, how are you going to acquire the rest of your roster? How are you going to acquire the rest of your team down the line in two years when Kyle Lowry is, you know, potentially looking at a, you know, broadcast deal or something. Um, <laughs> he's probably got more than two years, but like you need, you just need assets to continue filling the rest of your roster out. Um, Allah's looking over his shoulder. <laughs> Allah is not going anywhere. I hope, I hope after losing, For- after losing Malik Armstrong like that, in Toronto is, is looking over his yeah. shoulder. I don't I don't know which uh, um, which place. But after, after Kyle losing Malik, I think we I think we need to keep Allah. He he cracks me up. I like him. Anyway, but yeah, I would I would have a lot of interest in Lowry. I have a feeling that whatever they end up giving up will will make me a little bit uncomfortable, both because I do still have some hope, maybe not confidence, but hope in what Maxi can become, and also because there's just there's just not that many pieces to fill out the rest of the roster. But most trades do end up leaving you a little bit uncomfortable. I would be very excited about a Embiid, Simmons, Lowry, Milton, and Tobias Harris core for sure, for sure. If if they could do it for Maxi on a first, I, yeah, I'm, that, driving, I, I'm driving Maxi to the airport. I'm sorry. I, I think. <laughs> and by the way, as as I'm driving him to the airport, this wouldn't be one of those Sam Hinkie drove Evan Turner to the airport. You're gonna suck for a couple of years, maybe 
make a ridiculous contract. It might be like, hey, man, you might. You're going to a great spot. Yep. You might get a $15, $20 million contract in a couple of years and deserve it. But uh, <laughs> we're trying to win a championship. And good news for Maxi. I follow him on Instagram. He hates snow. You're going to Toronto. <laughs> Well, at least you're going to Tampa f- at first, so yeah, it's, uh, that's that wouldn't be great for him. Does anyone really like? I guess some people like snow. Oh, idiots! I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Anyway, uh, yeah, um, he is certainly the one where it could be a big move and a, and a significant changing of the odds. The rest of the smaller pieces, you just hope they end up costing seconds and not too much, because I do think you're going to need to be flexible in the future. All right, so moving on from that. I guess what is the one thing you're most intrigued by in the second half of the season? I would say looking forward to, but we are big J journalists. We don't look forward to anything. We just get intrigued by stuff now. It's true. Gotta gotta keep it uh keep it professional yeah. for sure. The uh what what am I most intrigued for? I- I'm most intrigued for what the new roster pieces are gonna be. Yeah. You know, whether it's a Lowry or whether it's it's a smaller piece because I think you already said it. The uh, the easiest thing to say about these Sixers and pretend like we know what's coming is to just say, and, and it's what we said in November as well, there will be trades Yes, at some point. And it's true. There are going to be trades. There, there is no shot that there aren't one or two moves of somewhat like of, of consequence that shake up the rotation. What are they going to be? I don't know. Are they going to be buyout moves where they get a, a PJ Tucker or somebody like that whose stock seems to be taking a hit? Maybe. Could it be Bielitsa in a trade? I don't know. Could it be Lowry? I, so basically, I, I want to see by the end of the year two things. Probably I want to see the offense get better and, and more functional, and I want to see more threes. But I also want to see the rotation look a little more playoffy because despite – you know, Dwight's heroic efforts against uh, Indiana and Utah last week, which feels like a long time ago at this point. I do think you're going to need a more flexible, second time I'm going to use this word, a more malleable lineup for uh, for the playoffs. And, you know, this second half is going to be, it's going to be a sprint. There are going to be a lot of games, frankly, that I think aren't representative of what the playoffs are going to look like. But hopefully, like, when you have everybody healthy, I, I want to see Doc and uh, and company start building towards something. Yeah, and that that will be interesting. Like, there's no way he's not going to run a ten man bench rotation in the playoffs. You do hope they get a um, center so that some of these staggers would look a little more natural. But I do want to see like when he settles on eight nine players. Like, what do they look like? What are these? What are these pairings? This is one thing we never had to really worry about in previous years because I mean Brett was building those pairings, those groupings all throughout the season and they were rigid about it. Good and bad to it. But we at least knew like, Hey, these two players and Bede and Reddick are going to be tied at the hip. Uh, these other players are going to be in that group. Um, I want to see what they look like when they do shrink that rotation down, uh, when he's not trying to r- win with all bench lineups and when the bench pieces do fit a little better with the stars you have left over. Um, and that, that's, that's a big part. Probably don't get a whole lot of data on that in the next two to three weeks. But once the the moves are made, then we can start gleaning a little more from that. Yeah, for sure. For me, I want to see if Simmons continues this trend because we have seen stretches like this. You know, I had a a, a piece or in my piece in my first half recap, I mentioned a before and after of Simmons with that second Boston game back on January 22nd. And the complete difference went from like 12 points 
per game to 19 points, six points per game or three points per game off drives, like six and a half, something like that. And we've seen stretches like this before. And I want to see whether or not this sustains itself over the rest of the season. Like that to me, we've we've been waiting for two things. And that's Ben to be more aggressive in the half court and Joel to take that step. Well, I'm confident Joel has taken that step. Now I want to be equally confident that Ben, while maybe not being a, a dominant half court scorer, has at least taken that step up in his aggressiveness. I want to see. I want to see if that maintains true. And I want to see if that maintains true when he goes, you know, 10 for 21 from the free throw line over a three game stretch. Like that to me is, is, and I want to see B ball Paul. I, I, just, I, I want to see B ball Paul. Um, he's so interesting of a, first of all, he's, he's something that the Sixers truthfully need. Like that backup spot to Embiid has been a question mark for, well, since Embiid's been here. And I think he could have that right combination of defense and pick and pop and low cost. Uh, I want to see whether or not that translates at all. And it's such a herky jerky, weird style of play. You know, when he has, he's got high second- hips on defense too. Yeah. He he's not as good. You know, I, I say that he's going to be in a switching scheme, but he's not the most laterally quick player. I would right. say. So I just, I, I just want to see whether or not there's any kind of a glimpse that he would translate. And I mean, to be fair, like shakes actually, do you remember when shake, he was on that two way contract and he came up right at the end and he showed a tiny bit. And who tiny did we, bit. who did we, we were, they were looking for them to activate him on the, or convert him to a, a NBA deal to put him on the playoff roster. I forget who we were looking for him to replace. Who was in that horrific guard group that shake would have replaced. I'm drawing. Was, was Amir still on the team? Sure, sure. He was because he was, you know, he famously was on the bench checking his phone during the game. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that was a year where um, (laughs) I'll I'll never forget Bolden and him getting yelled at in that uh, that Brooklyn series and just never seeing him again. He was done. There there was was some wild stuff that year. There was a game against Milwaukee where Zaire was playing like twenty five minutes in that game with. You know, with Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris too, it was yeah. a a very top heavy team. <laughs> yeah, no, team. I mean, a, the the perimeter bench was like Furkan and Zaire, and like there just wasn't there wasn't there wasn't anything there. Ennis Ennis was far and away the best guy. Ennis the menace. Yep. So yeah, I, I am excited to see uh, see B Ball Paul just because he's he's an interesting player. With Ben, it seems like he's getting a lot of buzz for Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, maybe maybe Doc who who doesn't campaign for people. Just want to get that out of the way. But maybe his continually suggesting Ben as a defensive player of the year front runner has helped a little bit. It's interesting, right? Because I like I feel like Ben, he's better this year. Don't get me wrong, defensively. But it's not like he's a completely different defensive player. Like he's been at this level or close to this level, you know, marginal improvements year after year. But he's been playing this kind of defense for two years now. And I, I'm, it seems like I, I shouldn't say that like he made first team all defense last year. Uh, but it is interesting how he is getting a lot more notoriety or, or buzz in the defensive player of the year conversation. Like he wasn't, he wasn't, he was first team all defense last year, but he wasn't mentioned as a defensive player of the year candidate. He's I guess mentioned consistently helps. by top NBA writers. It really does feel like a narrative based award in some ways, which is like, Finally, like, I'm not blaming Ben. He's not the one who's uh, who's paying for this PR campaign for his uh, for his defense. But 
it, it really does feel like the team's success and just a couple of key moments. Honestly, the, the Damian Lillard game, I think, opened a lot of people's eyes, which is, look, that would be awesome if he won Defensive Player of the Year. Do I think he's like the most impactful defensive player? No, Rudy Gobert probably is, but... He might be top three, though. I might I might have him three. He's awesome. I don't know what to say. Like, as far as a perimeter defender, it's it's all positional with him is, is my only... Yeah. Um, my only... Con- not concern, just my, my only point to fight back on with uh with him winning. But as far as perimeter players go, to me he feels like he's maximizing how good he can be. So yep. that'd be awesome. All right. So you've got I went over this not too long ago. Where's that chart that I just saw? In terms of strength of schedule, this is from Ed Kupfer, who Ed is a uh, analyst with the Houston Rockets, a former colleague of Daryl Morey. But it is strength of schedule and adjusting for opponent rest days and also home court advantage. The Sixers have the, where is it? The 17th toughest strength of schedule. So a pretty easy strength of schedule, um, easier than average, not quite as easy as the first half, which was the uh, seventh easiest, according to this metric. And then you have Brooklyn, who is 14th, so pretty much mildly tougher than the Sixers. And Milwaukee, who is 25th. So they have the sixth easiest strength of schedule remaining. I do think, you know, when you're looking at where the Sixers will finish, if I'm being completely honest, I don't entirely expect them to finish with the one seed. I think Brooklyn is probably the favorite for that. And I think there's a pretty good chance they could fall to three. You know, I think Milwaukee, with the way that they've been playing and their point differential and their strength of schedule... Uh, and the fact that they've been doing this without Drew Holiday for quite a while there, too. I think Sixers fans are sleeping on them. Now, when I say that, I'm entirely talking about where the Sixers finish in the regular season. Put it this way, I think the Sixers are going to have to play pretty good ball here from here on out to hold off Milwaukee and keep a top two seed. So I think they will have a lot of work cut out for them, for sure. Yeah, if I had to guess at the end of the season, they will be the number three seed by a pretty comfortable margin because there is a, a lot of breathing room between them and and the pack down there. And that's, you know, the, the number one seed would be a big deal. I, I don't yep. want to, uh, I don't want to sugarcoat that and say that, uh, you know, the Sixers are a team that we know can go on the road and win games. I think John well, Schumann wrote in his piece yesterday that they are the biggest differential between yep. home and road again. The more now, things change, fair, the more they, they stay well, the same. To be fair, they have a, a just under 500 road record, which is heavily influenced by the fact that five of the six games Embiid has missed were on the road. Yeah. So a 500 road record isn't even really all that bad. Like good teams usually have slightly above 500 road records. Yeah. If Embiid were healthy, those five games probably is closer to a game or two above 500, which is fine. The 18 to three is really the crazy part of that stat. Um, but it's a big deal just because you, you know, if you get the one seed, you would avoid You'd only have to go through one of Brooklyn or Milwaukee, assuming they finish two and three. And when you do do that, it would be in the conference finals and you would have home court advantage. So that would be a huge deal in and of itself. Um, yeah, look, uh, it wouldn't be perfect to fall to three, but also wouldn't be like a death sentence either. Um, and it doesn't mean that if they do fall to three, that Milwaukee would be a better team or beat them in the playoffs. Like, I think they would have a chance. But uh, there are there are two other really good teams in the Eastern Conference and just be prepared is what I'd say. I'm also not 
getting too far ahead of ourselves here. Because we have no I, idea what the team's going to look like in three weeks. Well, and also, we don't know what other teams are going to look like, what they're going to be playing like, who's going to be on their team. I, I still think Boston and Miami have a level to get to that is sure. going to be maybe not championship level for both of them. You know, when we say, I'm not sure the Sixers can win three series, I, I think those teams have enough flaws where you can apply that same criteria sure. to them and say, All right, yeah, there's enough flaws here. But certainly in one series against the Sixers, I certainly would not be uh, overwhelmingly confident about the, the Sixers passing them if uh, if they make some, what I would say, realistic improvements over the second half of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Sixers are in a good spot, though. They're, they're, they're doing good. But uh, I, I do think they're probably going to be the three seed when this is all said and done. Eight rest disadvantage games in the uh, in the second half of the season. So, uh, yeah. Oh well. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Um, and I'm very fascinated to see what Daryl does at the trade deadline. He's, I mean, it's brought up all the time where his quote where if you have even a five percent chance and you have to go all in. Well, I think Vegas right now gives him a seven percent chance. Uh, and I think that would put them in a spot where, by his logic, you have to go all in. And certainly, I think when he, you talk about him and his, you know, the season that Embiid is having, as my cat is tearing stuff up behind my desk. <laughs> Should end this podcast five minutes ago. But when you talk about where a spot that Embiid is in and he, the season he's having, I think Daryl's going to want to maximize that. I don't know how much maximizing there's going to be on the open market. So it'll be interesting to see what they can cook, cook up. I'm going to cut this podcast short so I can go figure out whatever the heck she is doing. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you to the cat for cutting it short. See you. Unbelievable.